Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just yes, thank God for that yes. prayer. Let's thank God. Let's Hallelujah. worship Him Father, right now. You God, you are you. good. We, we believe in the, the power of, of prayer, Father. You are we're not Lord just Lord. going through the motions, Father. We're not practicing religion, Father. We're practicing a relationship today out of obedience to you as our Father. We trust you at your word, Father. You'll do exactly what you said you would do. In Jesus' name. Amen, and so be it. Praise God. Praise God. We prayed, and the table has been set, but I do want to welcome all of you that are viewing us. If you haven't already, be sure to download our app. There's content in there for everybody in the family, the little ones, the kids, the teenagers. Ultimately, we want you to be blessed and continue to advance in your knowledge of the Word of God. Amen. Right, praise God. You all can be seated in the worship center. We're going to minister real time today because there's a lot of things happening in our world real time. And so we're talking about warning signs, and I believe God gave us this message uh, because of what's going on in our country. And so uh, I want to just read our foundation text. This is part three. Right, And so our journey through this series will help us look at signs of warning foretold throughout Bible prophecy. There's nothing happening right now that God did not already tell us would happen. Right. And so there's no reason for us to get in fear, condemnation, or anything. And if God told us ahead of time, then God has also provided a way for us to escape. Satan is never more powerful than God. God is like eons ahead of Satan. And so don't think for one moment that God has lost control. God is in full control, and he told us about all of this before it would ever happen. Our foundation text for this series, I'm going to go past the review. It's already in your notes, so you can go back. You can watch these messages. But we got a lot of information we want to cover today. Our foundation text is found in 1 Peter. And let me get there. First Peter chapter four. <clears throat> First Peter four seven. <laughs> I must have didn't copy it over. <clears throat> oh, I got it. Here we go. First Peter four seven and eight says, "But the end of all things is at hand. We either believe that or we don't. But the end of all things is at hand, folks. The Lord is coming back soon." Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Remember, prayer is what's going to keep us ahead of everything that's going on in this world. The more you pray, the further ahead you'll be. You'll see things way down there before they happen, and God will actually give you strategy on how to navigate around it and over the top of it. It says, and above all things, have fervent, intentional, without ceasing love for one another. This is so important. We need to love each other more now than we ever have before as the body of Christ. It says here, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, let's minister real time uh, as I lead into point number six today. I just want to really talk about what's going on in our world. In Matthew chapter 24, it's not in your notes, but I want you to follow along. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 3, the disciples, uh, while Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, asked him a question. And verse 3 says, Disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. What things? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of this age? So they're asking Jesus, Tell us 
What will be the signs? How will we know when the end of this age is coming and you're coming back to get us? Verse 4, he, he answers that question. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Now, it's interesting that he opens up with that statement and he's talking to his closest followers who are apostles. And the first thing that he says to him, to them is take heed that no one deceives you. That's an interesting statement. He said, pay attention, stay woke, be alert, be watchful, be prayerful so that no one deceives you. That's right. It's interesting. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many, not a few. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Notice what he said. See that you be not troubled. It's important that the body of Christ is not agitated or fearful about anything that's going on in right, our world. Good. God's ability to protect us is far greater than Satan's ability to damage us. Be encouraged today that if God is for you, there's absolutely nothing any man can do against you. And that's why he told them, and I'm telling you, see that you be not troubled. He went on to say here, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Well, what are all the things that must come to pass? First thing that comes out of his mouth is nation will rise against nation. That word there is ethnos. So race will rise up against race. So people, they're, they're inboxing me, why won't you post something about standing with? Because I'll be posting something every week. Folks, it's getting ready to get worse and not better for the world. And we must understand that. We cannot change what's going on in the world no more than people can stop Jesus from being crucified. Because it was a part of God's will, plan, and purpose for his life. Even when Peter rose up to try to fight and get in battle and he cut off Malchus' ear, Jesus said, no, for this time have I come into the earth. That's right. Folks, this is what's supposed to happen. And so you're going to be posting every week, but make sure when you post on that side, you post on the other side of all the stuff you're watching in our world today. Because I cannot see how that advances our cause. But I don't want to take up God's time with that kind of stuff today. He says here, first thing he says, that race will rise against race, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines. That's hunger. I was in my home city of Detroit, Michigan. I've never seen the amount of homelessness like this in my life. Streets that I lived on, abandoned homes, just broken into, and all kind of people just living in there and, and just walking the streets. Homelessness, famine, hunger was just, it was so depressing. But it was a sign to me of the times. Pestilence, it's called COVID-19. Earthquakes in various places. We just saw one a week ago. These are the beginning of sorrows. Drop down. So, so I just, I'm reminding us, folks, that this is the stuff that's supposed to happen. And if you're paying attention, then it won't affect you at all and you certainly won't get caught up in it. Drop down to verse 23. He also says to them, if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ, or look there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise, and they will show great signs and wonders to deceive. 
So he's letting us know that deception is going to be a big issue in this time. Now remember what he started off saying to the apostles, to the disciples. He said, if it was possible, make sure that you don't be deceived. And notice what he reiterates right here, which is leading into my point number six today. If possible, even the elect, the chosen of God, right? See, I have told you beforehand. Isn't that interesting? He said, I'm telling you all of these things before they actually happen so that you don't end up being caught by them. Now, don't you think he's telling true believers and disciples and apostles this at this level so you know if they can get deceived at that level, what about everything up underneath them? If the very chosen can be deceived. So it's important that we pay attention. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to see how Paul picks up this discourse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's not in your notes. You're following along real time. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly or intently that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Pay attention now. Listen to what I just read in Matthew 24. It says, Now the Holy Spirit speaks intently and expressly. And what the Holy Ghost is saying is that in the end times, the last times, the latter days, before Jesus returns, some will depart from the faith. Now, let's think about that for a minute. You can't depart from something that you weren't once a part of. So again, I want you to understand who he's specifically talking to. These are people that were chosen. These were people that were called. These are people that were on fire for God. These are people that were in the church. He says to them very strongly, he says that some will depart from the faith. So they once believed and they left what they believed. How will that happen? Once again, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Let me show you how these deceiving spirits will operate and this is all leading into point number six today. It says that they will speak lies in hypocrisy. So in other words, the way you'll know them is that they'll say one thing, but do something completely different. Pay attention to that. And it's going to be so evident in their lives, he says, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now that word seared there in the Greek means branded. And we've all done this before. Help me out in the room if this ever happened to you, online if this ever happened to you. You ever want to iron your clothes, especially when I was young, you're easily distracted, like in middle school. And you leave that hot iron on your clothes, something happened, you get distracted, go run away, and you come back and you left that hot iron on your clothes, and it did what? It seared your clothes. Or it branded your jeans forever. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? And so literally what he's saying is these individuals will be branded with this type of behavior. They will literally get up. We watch it every day if you watch the news. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> but they literally get up and it comes from high places. They literally get up and say one thing, walk away, forget what they said, and do something completely different. This is how you'll know them. Now let's get to point number six today. 
Because all of that set up point number six, and babe, I won't need a lot of time with point number six because that set up six so well. So what am I saying to you all? It's nothing you can do to stop the racial tension in this world. Only thing we can do is pray and try to get as many people saved as we can. Yes. I'm going to tell you at the end of this message what Jesus told us to do. Let the people who want to march, let them march, let them do all of that. But it's not going to change. The racial tension is getting ready to get worse because Jesus said it would. He said it was a sign of the end times. So if you're going to be a poster about it, get ready to post all the time. I'm tell you who I stand with. I stand with Jesus. That's who I stand with. I'm not minimizing anything that's happened in our earth. Don't hear that the wrong way because people listen the wrong way. I'm just telling you at the end of the day, I stand with Jesus. And I'm going to continue to do his business until he returns. Now, let's get to point number six. Somebody type in God is good. Somebody type in glory to God. Somebody type in thank you, Jesus. As you were ministering, babe, I was recollecting what you were reading in Chronicles about if my people who are called by my name Mm -hmm. should humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And so, you know, there, there are people in seeking his face. Yes, we're supposed to pray. Yes, we stand with Jesus. And seeking his face, some of you have instruction. I get that. I see you know, some, some people have instruction. So it's not like we just sit idly by and do nothing because evil does prevail when good people do nothing. Mm-hmm. But you just have to know and understand that in this season, when we know it's happening, as the world gets darker, all it does is provides a greater opportunity for the body of Christ to get brighter. That's good. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Yeah. Well, how will, be he, well, how will he be lifted up? But by way of people like you, deciding to take a stand with Jesus and deciding to say, I am the righteous and I am going to obey his word. I have turned from my wicked ways by way of reprogramming my mind towards his righteousness and I'm bold enough and full of faith enough to know that if I'm supposed to march, I march. If I'm supposed to, hey, walk in love, which we all are, I will walk in love. If I'm supposed to love my enemy, I will love my enemy. There's never a time to respond to evil with evil, riling with riling. That's right. Never a time. That's right. For he said, the face of the Lord is upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. But his face is against those who do evil. Who is he that will harm you if you be doers of that which is good? That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. We can just go home right there. We've said enough. Uh, If you need Jesus... (laughs) <laughs> no, we need to receive. Point we need six. to get to point six. Okay, point we could have closed this service right there, and we've said enough. Point number six. Now, don't miss this one. Everything that was said set up this point. A huge warning sign. Remember, signs are there for our comfort, for our safety, for our protection, and they provide peace. None of us get scared when we see a stop sign, red light, yellow light, green light, yield what the speed limit is, they all just instruct us on what to do. And when we obey them, we feel safe, right? Number six, a huge warning sign, people will turn away truth. 
People will turn away truth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Praise God. I just need somebody to type in right now, I'm good because God is on my side. I just had that in me right now. I'm good because God is on my side. That's right. I just had that in me right now. I'm good because God is on my side. Would you all say that in the room with me right now? I'm good because God is on my side. Praise God. Listen, babe, translation, God got me. Let me see it. Oh, yeah. You just snuck the little teeth. Good. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, I charge you therefore before God. Now, this is Paul's charge to young Timothy. And he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his coming. So now again, we're talking about when he returns. He tells Timothy to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So in other words, talk and tell the truth when they want to hear it and tell it when they don't want to hear it. Preach the truth when the crowds are here. Preach the truth if there's only 10 people in the room. What he's telling Timothy is, is be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out Convince. That word convince means to, to convict and tell the truth. He says to rebuke. That word means to forbid. He tells them to exhort or to call near and comfort with all long suffering. That word long suffering means forbearance and patience. He's telling Timothy, keep telling the truth and put up with as much as you have to deal with as you're telling it. Because everyone won't want to hear it. Then he goes on to encourage him, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or sound instruction or learning. The time will come. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. So I always wanted to understand what itching ears meant. Itching ears are ears that only want to hear things that gratify and bring, bring pleasure. So in other words, if they're not talking about what I want to hear, ain't nobody got time for that. Literally what it goes on to say here is that this was interesting to me. And they will heap up for themselves those kind of instructors. So they're going to have their iPods and, and, and everything full of people that are telling them only what they want to hear. And God is warning Timothy to not be that way. He's telling him to be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, right? And so, I want to encourage the body of Christ today. I'm not here for a popularity contest. I'm not here for likes, followers. I'm here to please an audience of one. We're here, we're living in a society and a culture today where we're calling evil good and good evil. We're calling right wrong and wrong right. Uh -huh. And I still stand on God's side that in the beginning, he made them male and female. I don't care what the world tries to do to redefine marriage. Marriage is still between one man and one woman. Uh -huh. I won't be popular for saying that, but it's God's truth. And what Paul is telling young Timothy is don't be afraid to stand for the truth 
and be able to forbear and endure all that's going to come to you because of it. Now we've got these different meanings of love, right? Talking to one of our members who went in a different direction, different lifestyle, no longer a part of this church. She says to me that love covers, love is love. That's what it was. Love is love. And so if I love somebody and God is love, then he would understand that, that, that this is love, so love is love. I said, no, God is love, and God said that anything that is same sex is an abomination to him. And so I'm on God's side with that. I love you. Don't get in any condemnation right now. God loves you, and I love you too. But at the end of the day, common sense would tell me I wouldn't even exist today if two men were God's love in the earth. Because two men cannot procreate. Two women cannot procreate. And I'm going to stand on the side of that truth until I leave this earth. I love you, but I won't be afraid to tell the truth and talk about the truth. Amen. Now there's this campaign out here, and it's called Love Has No Labels. And so every commercial now has to show all of the different ways that people can love. Every television show now has to have all of the different ways that people can love. And what people, that community is doing is putting pressure on these television networks that if they don't show these images, we will not watch your broadcast. And these networks are saying, because I want the money, I'm going to give them what they want. What if the body of Christ went black in America today? What if we turned off our television? What if we were absent and we stood for what was right because it was right? If they're over, if they're, I don't know how many millions of us in the United States of America, what if we took a stand for what was right? What if we turned off the television? What if we stopped supporting that stuff? That's right. Folks, we've got a lot of work to do. I'm not backing down. I'm standing up. And I'm praying that I'll have thousands of people that'll stand and pray with Millions. me and fight with me. Millions. Millions. Thank you, babe. Millions. Say, I'll stand with you, Pastor Gregory. Type it in there. I'll stand with God. Don't stand with Pastor Gregory. Say, I'll stand with God on these issues. Then he says, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. They'll be turned aside to fables, fictions, and myths. But you be watchful. There's that word again. Sober, prayerful. You who? Timothy, a leader, a very elect, an apostle, a disciple, one called and chosen by God. He says, you be sober at all things, discreet and prayerful. That's what that means. Endure afflictions. In other words, undergo hardships usually brought on by circumstances. He's telling Timothy, there are going to be some circumstances that are going to come your way that are adverse to what I've called you to do. Endure that. Do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel with the lost and fulfill your ministry. Linked up church must do a better job of evangelizing the lost. Yes, yes. We've got to do it online. We've got to do it in our communities. We've got to do it every, everything that we do what we must build into it is how do we win more souls. Amen. The greatest thing we can do for God in these last days is give him as many family members as we possibly can. Yes. And the time is ripe for us to do it. So take heed to point number six. A huge warning sign is that people will turn away from truth. Amen. That's so good. You know, 
that's one of the warning signs and you know we can't define we the originator of love is the owner of the definition of love it's just logic right if you invent a chair the inventor defines what that chair is used for what its purpose is what its purpose is so if God says agape is the foundation of all true love then we don't have the right to define love because what if my love looks different from your love? Mm-hmm. Then what is it? Mm-hmm. It's called self-fulfillment, mm-hmm. which is what we talked about last week when he said men will become lovers of their own selves. We can't love ourselves without first loving God and understanding God's love for us. Therein does he define the precepts of what love is. There's this man named Jesus. He came to the earth because he so loved the world. It didn't say so he, because he so loved the believers or he so loved the Jews, but because he so loved the world that if any of them would believe on him, he would give them everlasting life, make them free from sin, defeat the grave and death. So we have a responsibility to love one another, but this here kind of love that has been redefined and has been repurposed for selfish and perverted indulgence is contrary to the word of God. Praise God. All right, let me get on to point number seven, our last point for today. today. Point number seven, financial chaos and famine will be in the earth. Financial famine and chaos will be in the earth. You know, let me share this story to just break the ice a little bit. It's a story of this rich man and his purse. So he had this, this rich man went into the city to take care of some business and he had a bag full of money, $50,000. And he lost his bag of money. And in the meantime, when he realized he lost his bag of money, he went to the media and said, hey, post it, let everybody know, I will give a reward to anybody who returns my bag of money because there's a lot of money in there. And so then they post it. In the meantime, this poor farmer, he finds this bag of money while he's in the area shopping for supplies at a discount. And he takes this bag of money home and he counts it and he says, wow, this is $50,000. What I could do with this money? I need this money. But then he hears about the reward. And he says, you know what? I'm a righteous man. I'm going to do what's right. Even though I have plenty of need for it, I'm going to do what's right. Plus, there's a reward. So I'll get something out of it. So he takes the money into the, uh, over to meet up at, at the meetup place where he's supposed to meet the rich man and the police. And they, he gives the man the bag of money. And the rich man goes through and he counts his money. And so then he says, wow, sir, poor farmer, you're a smart man because you took your reward before giving me back my money. The, the farmer was like, what are you talking about? He says, well, there was $55,000 in this bag. The farmer is irate, and he says, no, there was $50,000 in the bag. No, there was $55,000 in the bag. I said it was 50. I took nothing. Now give me my reward. And so the rich man says, no, I'm not giving you anything because you already took your reward. And so the farmer says, you know what? We're going to take it before the judge. Days later come, and they go before the judge. And he tells the judge, listen, this man said he was going to give a reward for the person who returns his bag, and I found this bag of $50,000, and he owes me a reward, which he refuses to pay. The rich man says, no, it was $55,000, and this poor farmer here, he took the money. This righteous and this wise, wise judge leaned back, and he thought for a moment, 
And then he looked at the, uh, the rich man and says, are you sure it was $55,000 in the bag? I'm positive. Are you absolutely sure there was $55,000 in the bag? I'm absolutely positive. Did you give a description of the bag? No, but I know how much was in it. He says, are you sure? He says, yes. He says, okay, well, give the entire bag back to the poor man because obviously that's not your purse. That is what's happening. If you're paying attention to the signs of the times, that's good, baby. That was, that's good. when he talks about in Psalms that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, it's laid up for you. But if you're in the body of Christ and you're seeking his face, you got to go get it. Pastor Gregory said last week, last week or a couple weeks ago that there's opportunity awaiting for such a t- in such a time as this for the righteous to rise up and take their claim. Financial famine and chaos in the earth. Let me give you some facts before we dive into scripture. Facts. If you earn $718,766 in a year, you're among the top 1% earners of the world. If you earn... $718,766 in a a year. If that's your earning threshold, then you're among the top 1% of the earth. This is according to statistics and the uh, Investopedia, uh, which is a career salaries and compensations organization. If you earn $299,810,000 in a year, you are among the top 5% of the richest people in the world. $299,810 in a year. If you earn $118,400 in a year, if that's your earning threshold, you are among the top, the richest 10% in the earth. That's as of 2019. Let's check this out. That's the world. So if you earn $118,400 in a year, you are among the top 10% richest people in the world. Okay, facts. Let's talk about America. Let's talk about America. See, the middle class has been dwindling before our eyes forever. Have and the have-nots. It's becoming more about the haves and the have-nots. I heard you back there. And he's such a great appendix. (laughs) So... The medium household income in America as of 2018 was $74,600. That was the medium income in 2018 based off of a three-person home. In 1970, it was 50,200. Okay, that's okay, but let's listen to this. In 2018, the upper class, you were considered upper class if you made $207,400 a year. You were middle class if you earned around $86,800 in a year, but you were lower class if you made $28,700. Now, in in the year 2000, you were upper class if you made $192,200 in a year. You were middle class if you made $81,700 in a year, and you were lower class if you made $28,200 in the year. In 1970... You were upper class if you made $126,100 in the year. You were middle class if you made $58,100 in a year. You were lower class if you made $20,200 in a year. 
if you do the math, the upper class went up by almost 100,000, by $90,000. The upper class increased by almost $90,000 since 1970 to 2018. If you do the math, the middle class only went up right around $30,000 in the, in, the, in the same time period. And if you do the math, the lower class's status only went up by way of about $8,000 since 1970. So the chasm between the haves and the have-nots is getting broader and broader and broader. This is what James had to say about these times. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, I'm going to read in the Passion Translation. If you're looking at your notes, you'll see it in the King James. But the Passion does such a great job at breaking it down. He says, listen, all you who are rich, for it's time to weep and howl over your, the misery that will overtake you. Your riches lie rotting, your fine clothing eaten by moss, and your gold and silver are corroded as a witness against you. You have hoarded up treasure for the last days, but it will become a fire to burn your flesh. Listen, can't you hear the cries of the laborers over the wages you fraudulently held back from those who worked for you? The cries for justice of those you cheated have reached the ears of the Lord of armies. Mm -hmm. You have indulged yourselves with every luxury and pleasure of this world that this world offers. That's, that, that's what loving yourself looks like. But you're only stuffing your heart full for a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered good and innocent people who had no power to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, here's that watchman again. We must be patient and filled with expectations as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Yeah. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and latter rains. So you also keep your hopes high and be patient for the presence of the Lord is drawing near. Now, mind you, he's talking to those who have made riches and wealth their priority. The righteous and rich are good because they know from who, in whom they must put their trust. So if you're rich, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're in this category right. if you're righteous. That's good. Right. But this is written to the person who's made riches and wealth their pursuit. Mm -hmm. Everything is centered around improving the business, increasing the profit margin, decreasing the labor wages, escaping taxability. It's right, good. Good girl. So then my question is, you say this all the time, that's where I get it from. How can, we, how can there be a financial famine when the money never left the earth? Penniless we come into the earth, penniless we leave. So where is the money? First Timothy chapter four verses, first Timothy chapter six, verses four through five, and then I'll skip down to verse 10 in the Passion Translation. Again, not in your notes. First Timothy, we're making you work for this because you have to get this in you. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you'll be caught up in the web of deception, unawares, and you'll find yourself in situations that you never thought you would be in. And it's a part of them seeking his face for themselves. Exactly. First Timothy chapter six, verses four and five, and then verse 10 in the Passion. They are covered with the clouds of conceit. Mm. They are loaded with controversy. And they love to argue their opinion and split hairs. 
The fruit of their ministry is contention, competition, and evil suspicions. They add misery to many lives by corrupting their minds and cheating them of the truth. They equate the worship of God. Check this. He's talking to believers in this one. They equate the worship of God with making great sums of money. Mm. Verse 10. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. So where did the money go to? It went into feeding the indulgences of the flesh, which can never be satisfied. That's right. I heard a great man of God say the loneliest time for a man and when, he, when he has accomplished everything that he thought he should accomplish, when the riches came and the goal was met and it's over. That's the loneliest time for man. Now, if we just look around today, what's acceptable and what's popular is debt. This country is over $126 trillion in debt. Our net worth right now is only $176 trillion, according to, some, for, according to economists. So where did that leave us? If we're a country that operates in debt, then there's a people that operate in debt, families that operate in debt. And then we find ourselves in a financial famine where our net worth is negative. There was a study done in 2017 that says the black woman is only worth about $5. So I encourage you, woman of God, go in your closet. And if the value of your purse is more than the value of your bank account, we have to reconsider our priorities. Whoa. If the note on our car, the value of our car, what we pay a month in our car is more than what we do to advance the kingdom of God. Priority. In equivalence, in percentage, we have to reexamine our priorities. Covenant-keeping people will recognize the signs, but there are a lot of people that think they're in covenant but won't recognize the signs because they haven't honored that covenant. Mm -hmm. Being financially rich is not a sin, but just because you're righteous and rich doesn't mean that you're more righteous than anybody else. So never allow your financial status to define your position in the kingdom of God. Because he said, whether it's in riches, whether it's in popularity, or whether it's in fame, that the first will be last and the last will be first in his kingdom. Psalms 49, verses 5 through 9, in the Passion, again, it's not in your notes. Take this down. Psalms 49. And I'm, we, go, we spend a lot of time sharing the word of God. I'm taking my time on purpose. We spend a lot of time in the word of God, sharing the word of God with you because God said that there's one thing that will endure. There's one thing that will last. He said, heaven and earth may, uh, the earth, the earth may pass away, but the one thing that will be here forever will be his word. His word. There's power in this word. There's the truth that has withstand thousands of years. 
And it is in this word that you will have authority. In this word, you gain his promises. In this word, will you recognize the warning signs? In this world, will you escape damnation? There's no reason to fear when troubling times come. This is what he's saying to his people. Even when you're surrounded with problems and persecutors who chase at your heels, they trust in their treasures and boast in their riches, yet not one of them, though rich as a king, could rescue his own brother from the guilt of his sins. Not one could give God the ransom price for the soul of another, let alone for himself. Verses 8 and 9. A soul's redemption is too costly and precious for anyone to pay with earthly wealth. The price to pay is never enough to purchase eternal life for even one to keep them out of hell. We're experiencing and we're witnessing the evolution of a one-world economy. And with this famine, this year uh, pandemic going on, they said the world economy, the global economy, economy will never be the same. It will be redefined. Well, if the word of God is true, which I believe it is, all this is is a reset to redefine what global economy really looks like. We're heading towards a one-world economy. Listen to this. And this is a really strong indicator of the last days because as we see the financial crisis of these nations take place, not in individuals, but in nations, it becomes a survival of the fittest. So we have so many organizations, so many countries, so many people that put their trust in riches only to find out that when you're in a pandemic, you have to spend to stay. You have to spend to stay. So in other words, these countries right now are spending billions, trillions of dollars in the name of maintaining the wealth of their public. In the meantime, the public is suffering. I won't get into that so much, but listen to what's happening. The import and export of goods, you can't pick up anything in your house right now, very few, and it's not imported from somewhere. Global economy, one world economy. International travel has crippled the lack of international travel during the season has crippled countries, has crippled industry, has crippled families, one world economy. During this pandemic, economically strong countries like Japan, Germany, America, have been able, France, have been able to survive because of their wealth. But all it did in turn was turn around and make this pandemic has made the less fortunate countries the countries that aren't as economically strong, more dependent on their allies and their neighboring countries. So the Philippines, Italy, Spain, these smaller countries, South America, they just said the whole continent in South America is suffering right now. Indonesia is suffering right now. Now let's talk about Spain and Italy because see, they're a country that's been less fortunate and they've been hit hard. And the Euro is trying to become this one uh, economic, economic system right now over in Europe. When you think about it, now Germany has pushed back and said, no, I don't want everybody to be involved in the Euro because we don't want to inherit other countries' debts. But see, right now in this pandemic, it's becoming necessary. So now the Euro may start spreading all the way down to Italy and Spain. And they inherit their debt, but they understand in order to secure that debt, they're going to have to also inherit the country. So now you have this slow spread of a one global economy. We're all interconnected. So that right there is a small example of what could be. I don't want to get into telling what's going on, but let's tell you what has happened just to be an indicator of what I'm saying and what the word of God has to say. 
We were a part of the housing boom in 2007. By the grace of God and the goodness of God, because with real estate investment, that's what we did. And we were stuck with the situation. And the minute we decided to sow it was when somebody came along and said, no, we'll take it. But that housing boom in 2007 caused the, Greece, the country of Greece to go under. Remember the country that declared bankruptcy? The stock market crash in, in 1929 turned around and caused the rise, rise of fascist idealism in Europe in the 30s. So we're all interconnected. And as we continue on towards this one global economy, what happens in China affects here. What happens here affects Europe. What happens in Europe affects Australia. It's just the sign of the times. So right now, let me read what the Bible has to say about this and why, and how, and why this truth is yet to come and is even evolving right in front of our faces. He says in Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 through 17, and now again, I'll read from the Passion, and this is not in your notes. Revelation 13, verses 15 through 17, in the Passion, it says, The beast from the earth was empowered to breathe life into the image of the first beast so that it could speak and kill those who refused to worship its image. It also caused everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. This meant no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark, that is, the name of the beast or its number. That's not just gonna up and happen. The enemy, he learns from our mistakes even when we don't. It's gonna be a slow rise and a slow progression. And the resistance is when the righteous recognize the signs and say, hold up, I'm on the side of God. And I will not depend on the riches of this world. Being watchful and obedient in prayer, even in our finance, is mandated. Today's Christians, we recognize Pentecost. Today is what's considered Pentecost Sunday. Over 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit came, as Jesus had promised, to live in the hearts of man. And the Holy Spirit, he leads us into all truth. He shows us things to come. He makes known and brings back to our remembrance that which we may have forgotten. And he will encapsulate us with wisdom on what to say and what to do. Believers out there, during this season of chaos, social, social reckoning, racial tensions, financial famine, pandemics, you cannot afford to live and be without the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks to you, it is your obligation and your worship. And the remedy by which you can fight your battle to stand against the wiles of darkness and be a light to a dark and dying world. That's so good, babe. We're going to close right here for the day. A couple of things as you were ministering, the money hasn't gone anywhere. And in that, James is actually being transferred. Exactly. Right? And so I want to encourage everyone that's listening, if you're prayerful right now, he's going to take from the people who gain money unjustly. Yep. And that's going to be transferred. It's called the early and the latter rain. It's not just going to fall in your lap or fall out of the sky. You've got to do what she just talked about and pray enough in the Holy Spirit, pray enough in other tongues, pray enough in English, 
until the Holy Spirit directs you in what to do. It's going to be in the form of new businesses, new innovation. All of these things is where that's going to come forth. The other thing while you were ministering that stuck to me, stood out to me in China, now they want to put a chip in your right hand. Listen, I, we're out of time, but I'm not taking the chip ever. You're not putting nothing in my hand so that I can pay that way, I can get in places. Here, here it is, folks. I don't know. That's just so they can track your every move and know what you're doing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They can better learn your behavior so that they can better manipulate you. I'm not taking the chip. I got something else for you, and I'm going to close right here. I'm not taking that serum either. They want a one-world vaccination, too. I wonder if that's what this is all about, and, and I'm going to leave this alone. Because yeah, <laughs> I could go out there too far, but it's interesting when the one voice that's telling the whole world what to do has the patent on that vaccine. And we can't do nothing until we get this vaccine. Stay in the house. Don't go nowhere till we get this vaccine. <laughs> and what it's creating is a lot of unrest. I haven't even taken a flu shot in 30 years. You think I'm going to take another vaccine? I need somebody to say amen right there. Don't be I'm, condemned if you have taken the flu shot. No, I, don't be. That's because that's, that's a just, faith thing. That's, 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 that's my faith. That's Pastor Gregory's faith. That's it happens good. to be my faith as well. Let's, yeah, that's the balance to it. I'm done. But I'm going to say it again, though. I'm not taking the chip, and I'm not drinking the syrup. Praise God. Type in no chip. <laughs> I'm not taking the chip. Now, if you're listening today and the Holy Spirit convicted your heart, I know we would a little longer than we normally do, but I think under this current distress, it was necessary. And so if you're out there today and you want to make a decision about Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you want to make a decision about coming back to Christ, maybe you're one of the ones that you were in the faith, but you left the faith. You want to come back today. Maybe you want to join Linked Up Church. Maybe you want to be a part of this community. If any of those three apply to you, or maybe you want to learn about being filled with the Holy Spirit since we talked about that's what you need. Maybe you want to learn about praying in other tongues. It's important to your overall well-being and your ability to hear from God and understand the secrets that he has for you and bypass the enemy strategy. If you want to do that, we have ministers on standby right now. In a moment, you're going to look on the screen and see a phone number. And a minister is standing by live. They're going to be there all day today until 3 o'clock p.m. Just call that number, and a minister will follow up with you right away. Pray with you. Answer any questions that you may have. Do that for me right now. God loves you, and we love you too. Remember, stay woke, and let's not be caught off guard by everything that's happening in our world today. Hello, family. Thank you for joining our online service today. I want to invite you to become a part of our online community by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Download the Linked Up Church app. Visit our website to find out everything that's going on here at Linked Up Church. If you desire to help us reach more people just like you, you can do so by clicking the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, to family, to purpose, and community. Thanks again for watching our service on today. We were so excited to have you and see you next time.